Hello, friends. It's Twitter personality Top Rope Travis from the beautiful Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to my friends Kelly and Sophie on Two Broads Talking Politics. Oh, yeah. Don't forget to vote, y'all. This is Kelly with Two Broads Talking Politics, and I'm joined in this segment by Nancy Soderberg, who is the Democratic nominee for the 6th District of Florida. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me on Two Broads. Yeah, thanks for being the second broad this morning. So you've had quite an impressive career. Can you take us through some of the highlights and, and why you decided to run for Congress this year? Sure. It's largely because I don't believe that my students have the same opportunities that I did. Uh, I was raised by a public high school teacher. My dad was engineer and a proud 82nd Airborne paratrooper in the Korean War, and they brought me up to get a good education and give something back to this country and, and right from wrong. So I've had a wonderful career in the field of public policy in the Senate as the first woman deputy national security advisor in the White House and as a UN ambassador. And my proudest moment is having helped bring the Irish together and end a war in Northern Ireland. And that's the kind of attitude I want to see in Washington. Let's get the warring parties together and just get things done. I was mentored in grad school by this very pushy professor who got me into my first campaign in 1984 and have never really left politics since then. And that woman was Madeleine Albright, who became my mentor and obviously the first woman secretary of state. And she, because she took the time to mentor me, I have had this amazing career in foreign policy. And I've been teaching students across Florida for the last 12 years and take a page out of her playbook and have mentored them uh, to take on careers in public service and give something back to this country. And what I see is they are getting a great education and working hard, but they are struggling to pay for college, pay back their expensive student loans, and they can't find a job here at home. So I'm running so that they have the same opportunities that I did. Great. And can you tell us a little bit about the 6th District of Florida, whereabouts in Florida is this the 6th District is just north of Orlando, so sort of halfway between Jacksonville and Orlando. So it covers Daytona Beach, Deltona, and so it's all of Volusia County, all of Flagler County, a little bit of St. John's and Lake Counties. It was redistricted in 2016 to make it winnable by a Democrat, and it's an open seat with a, a former occupant running for governor here. And so it's absolutely one of those seats that's in play in the November elections. It is one of these seats where you see Democrats coming out in droves, independents coming home, and even Republicans walking into my office and saying, you know, the Republican Party has left me. How can I help? So we have a great coalition, amazing ground game, and feeling great about our momentum. We're in a, a literal dead tie in the polls at 45-45. What are you hearing from people as you talk to them as you go around the district? What are they worried about right now? What are the kinds of things they're voting on this year? Well, I've been walking doors and talking to people and going to meet with voters over the last year and a half. And the number one concern is, is health care. They're worried about their rising cost of prescription drugs, the rise in their premiums, and whether they will lose coverage because they have a pre-existing condition. Students uh, who can't get a job with health care, uh, women 
was in my office the other day and said she and her husband are worried about whether they can continue their child's cancer treatments because their premiums are going up. I mean, it's just one story after another. So number one goal of this campaign is for me to fight for affordable quality health care for every man, woman, and child, and to protect pre-existing conditions. And I'm running against a Republican who has said that he supports the efforts to repeal the current health care system, which would throw tens of millions of Americans off their health care across this country, and that he supports the Republican bill, which would make it too expensive for people to afford their health care if they have a pre-existing condition. I'm a diabetic, and I, I have been denied health care. I know what it's like to be told you can't have health care because you have a pre-existing condition. I, I've lived that. And so people, there are 273,000 people in our district with pre-existing conditions, and they're worried about whether or not they can continue to have the health care that they uh, deserve. I've been looking around at Florida, sort of who's running in Florida this year, and there seem to be a bunch of really highly qualified, great female candidates this year. And it looks like this district has never been represented by a woman. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the, the importance of, of getting more women into politics? Well, first of all, this has been redistricted so many times that it's hard to follow. <laughs> in 2008, Suzanne Cosmos did win this. Uh, she had a, a one very successful term in Congress and then lost in 2010. So there is a, a piece of it that's elected a woman before, and I intend to make sure that I'm, I'm next. And I think across the country, you're seeing women stepping up in races across the country because they're just tired of the partisan bickering and the failure to get things done. I never thought I'd run for Congress. And I look at what direction this country's going in and how the Congress is failing to get things done, the partisan bickering, the hyperbole. And the failure to put American families uh, first. So you're seeing across the country, women, national security people, veterans stepping up and just saying, let's just get things done. Let's work together. I have a record of bipartisanship. My first job was with Senator Ted Kennedy, who would not introduce a bill in Congress that didn't have substantial Republican support because he knew it wouldn't stand the test of time. I worked with Senator John McCain in the Senate and the White House trying to bring back the remains of our veterans and trying to protect those victims of Agent Orange and normalizing Vietnam. And I've just got a record of getting things done. And that's what I'll do in Congress. I believe that this tax bill that they had put the American families at risk while protecting, you know, corporate interests and special interests and blew a $1.9 trillion hole in the deficit. And Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Speaker Paul Ryan have all said that they, to pay for that tax cut, they're going to come and gut Social Security and Medicare. And I think that that's backwards. We need to put American families front and center. And I think women across the country feel the same way. As you mentioned, a lot of women with national security backgrounds are running this year. You know, I think we're so focused on the domestic politics so much of the time, and there's a lot to focus on. But there are a lot of things in national security that are really troubling right now. Can you talk a little bit about the, the kinds of things you'd like to see Congress working on, the kinds of things that are within the purview of Congress that could sort of help our national security right now? Well, I've worked up on both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue in the Senate and um, in the in the White House. So I, I have a very good understanding of the checks and balances that were set up by our Constitution. And the president takes the lead on foreign policy. And this president has, I think, a very unconventional way of doing foreign policy. And it makes it very important to have the Congress be a check on uh, 
president when he gets it wrong and work with him when he gets it right. So, for instance, on pulling out of the Climate Paris Agreement, we now have a new report saying that we've got a tipping point in just 12 years coming up. So we need American leadership across the globe to make sure we rein in China and India and the other polluters who can just pollute our earth for free and to make sure that we lead the world in reducing our carbon footprint. We need to make sure that Americans are front and center on the war on terrorism, the cyber, standing up to China on its aggressive taking over those islands and stance in the region in in, uh, the South China Sea. And these global problems, whether it's infectious disease, climate change, terrorism, are all global problems that we can't solve without the rest of the world following our lead. So American leadership is key. And the role of the Congress is to make sure that when the president does get it wrong, you have hearings, you uh, pull people up to testify and pull back the lid of secrecy that exists without a check that we have right now in Congress with a Republican-controlled Congress. You mentioned that the the race in your district is, you know, virtually tied right now. What are the kinds of things you're focusing on in these next two and a half weeks, I guess, as this airs, to, to try yeah, to sort of uh, tip the scales there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, first of all, we're excited by by the momentum. Uh, we have a huge ground game knocking on doors. We're trying to persuade independent voters to come out. And the, the best way to do that is to have a personal touch. So we're knocking on doors, making phone calls. We've got a strong effort to get ourselves up on TV and mail and just reach as many voters as we can. And what I'm hearing is that people want to have the American family put front and center, just those kitchen table issues. Can they afford their health care? Can they afford to keep coverage with pre-existing conditions? Have a job here that you can raise a family on around here. You have to have three jobs just to make ends meet. And they want to have a representative who shows up and will work and fight for them. And what I'm hearing is you know, my record of accomplishments and getting things done in the Congress and at the U.N., and at the White House resonates with voters. They want to have someone who'll just come and show up and work for them. They really haven't had this in a long time. And it's a good year to be running as a woman. Do you get the sense that uh, that turnout is going to be higher this year in your district than it has been in the past? No question. I, I think the American people are going to make us proud on November 6th by turning up in record numbers in a midterm election, which usually people sit out. They are not sitting it out this time. They know that the direction of the country is at stake. And I've seen it here in our primary here. We had record turnout. We're seeing record numbers of new voters registering. And people are knocking on our door to come volunteer. We have a massive amounts of people who come and say, can I have a yard sign? Can I have a bumper sticker? How can I help? Can I make phone calls? Can I walk on doors? And I've been running now for 15 months, and you can just feel the groundswell of uh, turnout. And we have early voting in Florida and vote by mail, and that's already started. By Election Day, half of the voters will have already voted. And so we're out there in the final stretch now and feeling good about the momentum that we've built, the campaign that we've built, and that people understand the, the what's at stake in this election. And look at my candidacy as someone who has a record of getting things done. And they're going to, I think, push us over the finish line on November 6th. We're feeling pretty excited about it. Excellent. I'm feeling the same way. I know some people who are nervous, yeah, but I, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling pretty good about this year. So. No, I, I mean, I think in a campaign like this, you have to want to say you've done everything you can to put yourself in front of the voters, get your message out. And I, I just feel that the American people across this country, and particularly here in District 6, are going to 
do the right thing through the next couple of weeks of early voting and on November 6th, saying, let's just get some common sense and someone who'll fight for American families, show up and understand the need to bring people together and stop this divisive partisanship that we've been enduring for so long. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to make sure we talk about? This is a, a seat that's not on the national radar screen, and I think it's a it's a it's a district that has been viewed as a Republican district for far too long. And what people are missing is that there's a lot going on in District Six. It was redistricted. It's an open seat. The third, a third, a third. Dems, Independents, Republicans. And, uh, things are moving here on ground, and I think it's going to be one of the seats that is a pickup seat and the importance of flipping the seat and getting that House of Representatives Democratic is, is really ground zero right here in Volusia County. And it's one of the seats that's a little bit under the radar screen. And I think it needs to uh, be watched very closely. So I encourage your, your listeners to pay attention to District 6. It's one of the ones I think is going to really fundamentally shift the direction of this country. Excellent. And Florida's in the eastern time zone, so it'll be one of the ones we can watch early in the night. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, we're feeling we're feeling great about it. I'm proud of the campaign that we built, and I'm just very moved by the support that we've been getting across our community. And you can feel the you can you can just feel it the momentum growing right here in uh, Daytona Beach. If our listeners would like to help out your campaign in these final weeks, how can they do that? We'd love your listeners to help out. Our website is SoderberghForCongress.com. We need to keep ourselves up on air, so any donations would be enormously helpful. Come show up in Daytona Beach, and we'll put you to work knocking on doors. And we can also send you lists of phone banking right from your own home. So if your listeners could get a few folks together and make phone calls for us, you can email Kirsten at SoderberghForCongress.com, K-I-R-S-T-E-N at SoderberghForCongress.com. And uh, we'd love to put you to work, and we'd love your help in these final weeks and help us get over the top. We absolutely appreciate any and all help from the two broad listeners. All right. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thanks so much for taking it, and thank you for all you do. That's been really impressive, and uh, it's it's really fun. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) I think it's the women that are changing this country. You can just feel it. They're just stepping up in ways that uh, they've never done before. And I can't believe you're doing all you do. Thank you for everything. Thanks. And and thanks for running this year. I'm so impressed by all the people who've stepped up. It's amazing. They're just like, you know, let's just fix this. That's just their attitudes. Yeah, let's just do it. And I think we're going to, it's going to be a fun night, election night, to see all the people that get over the finish line. in this segment with Lauren Baer, who is the Democratic nominee for Congress in the Florida 18th District. Hi, Lauren. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. So can we start with just some background, a little bit about who you are and and why you're running for Congress this year? Sure. So I am someone who was raised right here in Florida 18, the district that I'm running in, a lawyer by training. I started my career doing things like taking the fight to get money out of politics uh, all the way up to the Supreme Court. And I'm also a foreign policy expert. I spent six years as an official in the Obama administration in the State Department. I was a senior advisor to uh, both of his secretaries of state and the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. I'm also someone who never in a million years thought that I was going to run for office. I was 
very much uh, someone of the world of policy, not not politics, and they are two very, very different spaces. But uh, everything changed for me in 2016. it changed because I gave birth to uh, a baby girl two weeks before Donald Trump was elected president and all of a sudden found myself thinking uh, very, very deeply about my responsibility to create the kind of world I wanted my daughter to live in. And uh, it, it changed for me because my mom is one of 74,000 people in our district who stood to lose her health care when our current representative, Brian Nass, voted to repeal the Affordable Care Act. And so, you know, I, I had always wondered what I would do at a time uh, when I really felt our values, our institutions, and our country were under threat. And at the end of the day, the answer was pretty simple. I was, I was going to get in the arena and I was going to fight and I was going to do it for my mother and, and my daughter, but also every other mother, father, son, daughter in our district because the stakes were too high this year to sit this one out on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, you know, I think we've heard a lot of stories this year of people running, uh, especially women running because of their mothers. You know, that seems to be something that's really inspiring a lot of people. Can you tell us a little bit about the Florida 18th district and, and sort of where exactly in Florida is this? Sure. Florida 18 is a wonderful district. Uh, it starts actually just north of Mar-a-Lago, who's the northern half of Palm Beach County. And what we in Florida here refer to as the Treasure Coast, which is Martin County and St. Lucie County. So it stretches all the way from West Palm Beach up to Fort Pierce in the north, and then from Stewart on the east all the way over to Indian Town on the west. And it, it looks like it's kind of a swingy district here. The current incumbents only been in for one term. Yes, this is one of the swingiest swing districts in the country. Uh, our district is about 40% Democrat, 40% Republican, 20% Independent. And this district has ping-ponged back and forth between <laughs> Republican and Democratic control over the years. So Barack Obama won here in, in 2008. In 2012, Mitt Romney narrowly eked out a victory, but that same year we elected a Democratic congressman. That congressman was reelected by a very wide margin in 2014. And then in, in 2016, that congressman, Patrick Murphy, decided to run against Marco Rubio for Senate. And he left the House seat and uh, was won by the current incumbent, uh, Republican Brian Mast. So this is one that's really, it's ripe for the picking for us this year. We know that we can win here when we mobilize our Democratic base and when we persuade independents. Well, and speaking of persuading independents, uh, you were endorsed by the Palm Beach Post recently. That seems like the kind of thing independents might look at. And uh, you also had a, a debate just a couple of days ago, I think. What sort of was the uh, the the tenor and, and results of that debate, do you think? When I look at the, the issues uh, that are most critical to the people in our community right now, they're, they're really two major crises that, that we are dealing with. We are dealing with uh, an environmental crisis in terms of having red tide on our East Coast, toxic blue-green algae on the uh, Lake Okeechobee. This is, a, this is a crisis that is not only damaging our environment, but it is harming uh, individuals' health and it is threatening to undermine our economy. And uh, we you know, have a congressman in office who has waited more than a year after he was elected to, to do anything about it, uh, while the underlying problem was, was getting worse. And during that time, took votes that uh, 
were consistent with the, the corporate polluters who, who lined his campaign coffers uh, and, and not consistent uh, with the people of his district. And, you know, at the same time, we have a, a major health care crisis on our hands here. Costs are, are rising. Choices are too few. And we've got a, a congressman who voted to strip health care from 74,000 of his own constituents, uh, jeopardize it for 272,000 people in our district with pre-existing conditions. And so what the Palm Beach Post said and what I think came up again in our debate was that I was the kind of candidate who had both the right policies and, and the right approach to tackle both our environmental crisis here in Florida and our, our health care crisis at the same time. Are there other issues as you go around and you're talking to people in the district? Are there other issues that you think are, are coming up for them? Of course, there are. People in my district uh, are, for example, incredibly concerned about Medicare and Social Security. Uh, we have a number of, of retirees who live here in, in Florida, 18. Fifty uh, percent of our population is over the age of 55. And so many of these folks live on, on fixed incomes. And they're concerned about the fact that Brian Mast and the Republican-controlled Congress passed a uh, tax plan that, that disproportionately benefits corporations and the ultra-wealthy uh, is increasing our deficit by $1.9 trillion, and uh, has that the Republican leadership, uh, Mitch McConnell just reaffirmed it this week, this week is going to use that as, as an excuse to cut Medicare and Social Security. So that's really, you know, at the top of, of seniors' minds. People are also uh, incredibly concerned about public education. They're concerned also about common sense gun safety reform and the inaction that we've seen from Congress over the decades on that. So, you know, people in my district are, are concerned about the, the broad range of issues that are affecting them on a, a day-to-day basis. And, and the fact that they've got a representative in Congress who is just voting with special interests, but not with their interests. So you you mentioned that one of the things that you had done as a lawyer was try to get uh, money out of politics. Can you talk a little bit about what what you think about that sort of as a as a candidate and and what you would want to do about that in Congress? Certainly. So as a candidate, I, I made a, a choice at the very beginning of my campaign that I was going to be a different sort of candidate, that I wasn't going to take any money from corporate PACs uh, because I believe that corporate PACs have a corrosive role in our politics and they distort uh, the voices of, of everyday citizens who are the ones who are really the decision makers here. So, you know, in a certain way, that, that puts me at a, at a disadvantage in terms of raising the kind of money that I need for a race. But for me, it's, it's a matter of principle. It's the same reason why I joined a letter with uh, several other candidates running for office around the country this year, saying that if we are elected, one of the items we're putting at the top of our agenda is campaign finance reform, because we know that we need to restore the American people's faith in the system. And that's only going to come when they believe that their voices are louder than the voices of special interests and dark money. So I wanted to ask you, too, as someone who's a national security expert, there's a lot of kind of frightening things uh, going on in the world right now, especially for those of us who don't know as much about national security. What are the kinds of things that you think Congress can focus on uh, to, to help make sure that we're more secure? Well, certainly. And, you know, right now, I think one of the, the primary rules of, of Congress is to be a, a check on the executive branch. We have a president who is conducting his foreign policy on Twitter, 
who is cozying up to dictators and criticizing our allies, who is walking away um, from the types of institutions and alliances uh, on an international level that have kept us safe uh, since World War II. And, and what the job of Congress is to do in that situation is say, this isn't what's keeping uh, our country the most safe, the most secure. We need to have a smart, sensible foreign policy, one that is guided by our values and a commitment to them, and one that recognizes uh, the importance uh, of expertise. You said uh, at the beginning that one of the reasons you're running was because of your daughter. I think uh, there's a lot of, of moms who feel the same way. I, as a mom of young kids myself, you know, I, I, I feel very strongly that that's one of the reasons that I, you know, sort of want to be pushing for change is, is because of my kids. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about uh, sort of running for office as mom of a very young daughter and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and kind of how being a mom uh, sort of uh, affects your, your worldview and your political view? Being a mom is just one of the, the great joys and, and honors of my life. My daughter, Serena, is going to be two years old. Uh, next week. And absolutely every night I I go home and I look at her and I understand exactly why I'm running because I want to create the kind of country uh, that, that she and her generation deserve to grow up in. Now, uh, undoubtedly it's, it's hard. It is hard to be the mom of, of a young kid and run for office at the same time. And I am acutely aware every day that I am only able to do this because I have a, an absolutely incredible wife who right now is both our primary wage earner and our primary caregiver and has enabled me to have the, the time and the space that I need to commit. To, to this project of, of running for office and serving our community here. But I think all the time about how other women don't have that same privilege and how many barriers there are to incredible women and incredible moms running for office. And that's why I'm just so firmly committed that if I get elected, part of my job is to make it easier for other women, other moms of young kids, to step into the arena and run for office as well, because our Congress is better uh, when it represents the the great diversity of our country. And that means having women's voices at the table. I've been advocating for a while for there to be a mom's caucus in Congress. <laughs> every time I, think I that would be fabulous. <laughs> every time I talk to you know, so so there's so many wonderful moms running this year, and uh, I, I think that that would be uh, really valuable. Yeah, you know, I mean, I just, uh, when I talk with other moms, uh, we say it in a kind of joking way, but it's true. It's, you know, mo- moms know how to get things done. Moms know that, you know, you don't, you don't have choices when there are a lot of things that need to happen in a day. You figure out how to how to juggle and you make sure that at the end of the night, all of the tasks are complete. And, you know, these are these are trying times for our country. And we have a lot of incredibly important issues on the table. And we just can't afford to have Congress people 
who can only focus on one issue at a time. We need to be sending folks with a sort of mom's perspective that it's not either or, but it is both and. I'm going to not just tackle the water. I've got to tackle the water crisis and the healthcare crisis at the same time. And by the way, I've also got to be addressing Medicare and Social Security, and I've got to be dealing with public education, and I've got to be dealing with a strong foreign policy. That's a, that's a mom's sort of attitude to uh, how to get through your tax list. And I think we could use a little more of that in Congress. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you wanted to make sure we talk about? No, I think you've, you've really covered it all. I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity to speak to your listeners and to be part of this incredible wave of women uh, across the country who are stepping up and saying, it is our time. We will no longer uh, sit silently uh, on the sidelines. We want our voices to be heard, and we are committed to making this country better for our children, for our parents, uh, and for every single American. If our listeners would like to help out your campaign in these final two and a half weeks, how can they do that? Uh, Thank you so much for asking. Um, If listeners are interested in learning more about our campaign and helping out, please visit our website, laurenbearforcongress.com. You can also follow us on uh, Facebook, Lauren Bear for Congress, or on Twitter at Lauren Bear. We would love to have you involved in our campaign anyway. South Florida is a beautiful place to uh, come knock doors in uh, late October and early November. So we'd welcome any and all volunteers. All right. Excellent. We'll put a link for that on our website as well. So, Lauren, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk to me this morning. I'm really excited about your campaign, and this definitely looks like a a district that we can and will flip. With everyone's help, that's what we're going to do in uh, just under three weeks. So thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Two Broads Talking Politics. Our theme song is called Are You Listening? off of the album Elephant Shaped Trees by the band Immunuri, and we're using it with permission of the band. Our logo and other original artwork is by Matthew Wethlin and was created for use by this podcast.